ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wrestle Horror. All right, viewers and listeners, Meat Hook Jim here, still surviving the lockdown. But you can see three other guys on the screen with me, and we're going to start to my left, not my video left, but my left, Mr. John Orlando. John, how's it going? It's going well. I hope everybody is being safe and healthy. And uh, you made me laugh, Jim. We're surviving the lockdown, like it's yeah. the TNA pay-per-view. Is that... <laughs> Little is that... wordplay there. <laughs> you can tell he's a TNA fan, huh? Oh, wow. I'm just... <laughs> I admit it. Uh, and hiding and uh, being a smart mouth there underneath uh, Mr. John Orlando is Donnie Hoover, my co-host. Donnie, how's it going? Oh, we're doing good. We're staying safe, staying healthy. That's all, that's all we can do. All right. And our special guest on this episode of Russell Horror, he's the trainer of champions, Cody Effenhawk. Cody, how are you? Hello. How's it going? Welcome to quarantine hell. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, speaking of quarantine hell, I mean, how are you making it? I mean, I know how some of the other wrestlers are, but um, how are you coping with all this, uh, you know, social distancing and stuff? Well, um, honestly, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still essential personnel, so I'm still working every single day. Uh, my other half, Shauna, she's still essential personnel, so she's still working every day. Um, uh, so for me, not a whole lot has changed except wrestling is gone, and uh, I go through a whole lot of hand sanitizer. yeah wrestling is gone Um, what's your take on um uh the all the promotions or the bigger promotions doing the shows with no crowd no audience what's your take Uh, you got to do what you got to do man and uh truth be told as soon as uh as soon as uh this little bit of a ban gets uh lifted we're going to be shooting empty arena matches too um you know like it's it's unfortunately that's what we got to do, but I don't see us having shows in May. And, uh, you know, if they really, uh, you know, start backing off on this ban a little bit and I can get uh, skeleton crew in there to start filming empty arena matches, we're going to be doing the same, uh, you know? So, but I tell you what, like it, it really shows you who, who is good at what they do and they can get in the ring and still, perform even though there isn't a live crowd there oh i agree wholeheartedly you know they've it's a special type of performer that can do it without feeding off the crowd to get the job done yeah i i've been lucky because we we have our own building and because me and shauna you know are a couple and we live in the same house we've still been able to to go to the building fairly regular and not lose everything and and stay on track and uh you know, and so we, we go down there and spend an hour and we just have an hour long match and we, we you know, so uh, we're already like in the mindset of, uh, you know, this is how it's going to be for a little while. And uh, in order for our company to survive, we have to be able to pay the rent on the building and to pay the rent on the building. We have to produce some sort of content that somebody will buy. Um, as of up to this point, we've done everything uh, through YouTube, but uh here real soon going forward we're going to be uh switching over i think to patreon uh Mm -hmm. so that uh you know we 
uh, unfortunately we, we have to draw money from somewhere right. and uh till we can uh and i was just at the building today doing uh measuring six foot that's every five chairs so that uh drops our capacity from 225 to 40. Wow. so um you know even if even if we could get people in tomorrow at six foot uh radio uh, six foot distancing that 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 drops our capacity to 40 people and you know that's that's not not gonna not gonna pay the bills no gosh no um and i and i'm familiar with the arena and it's I, that, that definitely is not gonna pay the bills um but I, I have a quick question, if I may interrupt for a second. Go ahead. Cody, you've mentioned something that I'm completely ignorant of. Are there a lot of promotions going the route of putting stuff out on Patreon? Uh, I don't know if there are or aren't. It's just something that we've kind of been playing around with. Okay, um, okay. Uh, at this point, I, I just assumed Patreon was uh, something that a lot of the girl wrestlers were doing to make extra money. Uh, Shauna, she started up a page maybe about a month ago, and uh, she's up to about, uh, I don't know, 15, 20 subscribers, and she's got about – 350 to $400 a month coming in now from that. Wow. So uh, the way Patreon works is that there's different tiers. So a $5 tier, $10 tier, and a $15 tier. So we were thinking about uh, doing $5 uh, gets you shockwave for the whole month. $10 gets you exclusive backstage content. $15 gets you our bi-monthly pay-per-view uh, backstage content nice i don't know great idea that is a fantastic idea i don't know if it'll work it's something we're going to try we're going to roll it out for a few months see if we can't make some money you know if we don't then uh you know nothing ventured nothing gained we'll just go back to youtube then well i think uh i think that's uh patreon might be a i mean you've got the fgw faithful i know i mean yeah and and they're gonna they're gonna be willing to pay to watch watch you guys. Uh, That's what I was telling Brian, the owner. Uh, it was like, man, if we could get a hundred people paying fifteen dollars a month to watch our product, that pays our rent, and 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 then we can survive and keep going. So I mean, that's our goal. I think I think you guys can do it, uh, based on the crowds and and the crowd reactions that I've seen in the arena and how much interaction there is going between the uh, fans and the, and the talent. I, I think it'll work for you guys. And I hope it does. Yeah. Well, like I said, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Uh, you know, we'll give it a go and, and see how it pans out. And, uh, you know, if it works for us, I think that'll be something that you see a lot of people uh, converting over to. And if it doesn't work out for us, then somebody's going to laugh at us and uh, we'll be the, we'll be the boob that tried it out and failed. <laughs> hey, you don't know unless you try it. That's yeah. Right. Hey, a uh, question I, I have though, when I when I hear what you're what you're saying and stuff, when because uh, you have the training school and you run the wrestling show in the same building, uh, now um, how does that work on? Or will like if they say you know that you're allowed to start opening your doors back up to do the training, and are you going to follow the guidelines of what uh, Governor Dewine says on that, and then and do your training and your your shows on Fridays, or are you going to follow the OAC guidelines and, and what they're saying? Because I think they're saying uh, June. Whatever, I, it, what, 
whatever the athletic commission says. I mean, we got to, you know, we we're in good standings with them and we're not trying to mess that up. So, I mean, obviously if DeWine says you can do what you can do, but the athletic commission says no, then, then we, we're not going to, we're not going to ruffle those feathers. I mean, you know, like there's too many, uh, too many uh, other companies out there that uh, are breaking the rules and I'm not, not right. going to be, be one of those people. Yeah, I was just I was just curious if it uh, if it was a different because you were doing the training school as well. I didn't know if that affected it. I think it that our I mean, as far as the training goes, I'm not sure how much the athletic commission has jurisdiction over the training. Right. Because we're we're in a the the complex that we're in is a is classified as a gym. So I would assume as when they open gyms back up which yeah. I think is the first of May that that technically opens back up our training school. Right. Um, so, and, and if that's the case, then like I said, I can get a skeleton crew in there. I don't have to have anyone manning my cameras. Uh, I can run music and do the lights for everything. All I need is two wrestlers and a referee and I can schedule people in, Hey, your match is at seven, your match is at seven thirty. your match is at eight. And we'll just shoot the matches, roll the people out, sanitize the ring and then do it again. Nice. Good plan. Has the quarantine, Cody, maybe caused some uh, would-be potential students from joining the school? Or do you even know if that, that even occurred? Uh, I honestly don't know uh, how much it's affected. I mean, I just was in contact with somebody like less than a few days ago uh, that was hitting me up about training. Um, so... I mean, I still got people inquiring about it, but as of right now, I'm just like, hey, check back with me in a month. Okay. So. Okay. Well, let's uh, steer away from the current global situation, as a lot of people put it, and let's talk about Cody Hawk. First of all, who inspired you to become a wrestler, Cody? Um, well... When I was a when I was a child, I used to watch uh, wrestling every Saturday morning with my dad. Um, we'd watch uh, I don't know I think it was NWA was on at like noon and uh, WWF was on at like one, and we'd watch those two shows back to back every Saturday. Uh, and uh, you know, super big into to it back then. But then eventually, wrestling went off of uh, the regular television, and it was only on cable. And, I lived way out in the boonies, so we didn't have cable. And so from probably like, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 years old up till I uh, moved out, uh, I didn't see wrestling. Hmm. There was no wrestling anymore. It was just forgotten about. And then, uh, I don't know, I want to say maybe uh, about 95, um, I happened to stumble upon uh, Saturday night, uh, Saturday night's main event, or or, no, it was uh, the WCW show on Saturday night. and uh, I happened to see Hulk Hogan come through the curtain and I was just like, holy crap, Hulk Hogan's still wrestling. And, uh, you know, and I started watching, I started watching, you know, pretty religiously every, every Saturday. And, and then uh, Nitro started up and Raw was getting going good. And, I, um, you know, and I was just, I, be, I was a fan. I was, I was always a fan. I just had kind of gotten lost. Um, I don't know that I'd say that there was any one person that like inspired me to be a wrestler. It was just that I really loved it. And I thought, man, this is just like a childhood uh, dream. I mean, what, what kid back in the eighties didn't tear a t-shirt off in his bedroom and pretend like he was Hulk Hogan, right. you know? So 
um, so Hulk Hogan was like, you know, the, the guy for me, but I was also a big fan of uh, Magnum TA and Ric Flair and, uh, you know, the Horsemen and Sting. I, I actually, back in that time frame, liked the uh, NWA product better than I liked WWE. Um, just, it seemed way more real to me. Um, so then, uh, you know, late, later on, once I joined the wrestling business, then uh, guys like uh, uh, Eddie Guerrero and dare I say it, Chris Benoit, like those guys sort of inspired me because uh, once I learned how wrestling actually worked, it was like, wow, these guys, these guys are the workhorses, you know, Hulk Hogan, that's your, that's your, uh, that's your moneymaker that you draw money and advertise with, but you fill in the rest of the card with the rest of these guys that can work their asses off, tell good stories, have great matches and, and just um, amaze you as a fan. Okay. So what was the next step, Cody? So you were a fan. How do you make that jump from being a fan to getting trained and then becoming a wrestler proper, so to speak? Uh, I got married in 1996 and uh, I was at, it was Thanksgiving and I was just like sitting around being fat and lazy with the rest of the family. And uh, there was a, there's a guy named Jackson Breeze uh, who, uh, works for me at FGW. Um, uh, we were just, he's, he was my brother-in-law, uh, my ex-wife and his wife were sisters. So we were just hanging out watching, uh, Thursday night thunder. And I just made the comment like, man, I always wanted to do that. And he was like, you, you seriously want to do that? And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, I used to be affiliated with a, a small independent promotion and I can take you somewhere. And I was like, no, no way. So uh, that following Monday, I, I met, I lived in Dayton at the time and I drove down to Cincinnati and met him and he took me over to Les Thatcher's uh, main event pro wrestling camp. And I went in and I watched uh, training that night and there were six guys in their training. Um, they, they were all pretty big dudes. Uh, and uh, I just sat there in amazement. And I watched these guys just ha having a practice and they all had been doing it for a minute. So they all knew what they were doing but I was just blown away by it. They ended up getting me into the uh, wrestling ring and they showed me a few bumps and how to take a few things. And I don't know, I just like, I was like, oh my God, I have to do this. And at that point in time, I was uh, in college. I was uh, in my uh, junior, senior year of, co of, of college. Um, I was racing cars on Saturdays uh, at uh, Kill Care Drag Strip in, uh, in Xenia, Ohio. I had an old uh, Trans Am that I had been building since I was in high school. Um, so uh, I, I went back to my ex-wife and I said, I, I, I have to do this wrestling, uh, but training costs $2,500. And she was like, well, it's either uh, the race car or, or wrestling. So I went out and put a for sale sign on the race car and uh, sold it about three days later. Um, sold it for exactly $2,500. I walked in, I handed Les Thatcher $2,500 cash and, uh, my road to wrestling began. All right. So what, what real quickly, if I can fast forward just a little bit, what tricks of the trade did you take from Les now that you're training students? Um, well, when, when I, I first started training people. I, I wasn't like uh, like a trainer like I am now. I was just sort of less his right hand man. 
he was just like, hey, Cody, run practice. Uh, I got stuff to do in the office. Go, go run class. So we would pretty much just do his normal standard class. Uh, everything that, that we would do if he was there, we did it even though he was in the office and, and I ran the, the, the class. Um, and then over time, that became more and more and more to the point where I was pretty much running class all the time. Uh, then HWA got the developmental contract with uh, WWE and we got all of the WCW and ECW talent that was acquired in the buyouts that they didn't immediately put on TV. So uh, we went from a staff of about 18 people to a staff of 80 people overnight. Whoa. Wow. So, uh, so everybody that was under contract was required to train Monday through Thursday and they would train in the afternoon uh, from about uh, 11 in the morning until about two in the afternoon. And then the non-contract people that were just the regular schmoes like, like me, we trained in the evenings. Um, I happened to be, I don't know, blessed that I was good enough that they allowed me to train with the contract guys in the day. And then I would just stay over and I would run the non-contract training at night. Um, so I, I would literally just whatever we did that day, I would do that night. And it just sort of a repeating process. And just over the years, I just kept compiling these things in my in my brain, all these different drills and what I was looking for. And I asked a lot of questions and um, always just looking to learn, looking to find out new info, different people's takes on some things. One person sees a you know, a spot or a move this way, but the person right next to him sees it a totally different way. So I just, I listened a lot and, um, you know, a lot of, a lot, a lot of things that I picked up during all that time, I still do to this very day. My warm up drills, a lot of the, the drills we do in the ring are, are the same drills that I learned with 24 years ago. Okay. Well, they seem to work by the talent you've pulled, you've turned out, so you can't complain. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. <laughs> I mean, I've been really lucky, too. I've had some really amazing athletes come through my camp and, and guys with a real drive, will, and desire to make it to that next level. Um, you know, 99% of the people that come through wrestling training camp don't have that. And uh, I've been very blessed and lucky to have several of them over the years. So, you know, lucky me. Have you, have you ever had to sit down with someone, a trainee, and go, look, I don't know if this is, this is the right avenue for you, that this is the right venture to go to? Yeah. Um, do, you, do you remember the old Street Fighter game with the guy that would throw the fireball and he would yell, <laughs> hi, you can? All right, so <laughs> – it was at uh, practice one night and I had some guys doing a match in the ring and the one guy threw a fake fireball at the other guy and the guy sold it and I immediately got pissed off, stopped the match, yanked everybody out of the ring, made him do a bunch of squats and then the other guy pulled him to the side and I was like, I just, I don't think this is for you, man. Like, this is not a video game. Like, you got to go. And uh, he, he shook my hand and he said, you know, thanks for your opinion and he left. And uh, to my knowledge, he never went back to wrestling anywhere else. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Everybody's got their dream and everybody wants to do it, but not everybody should. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. So um, speaking of those, that, that 1% that you've trained <clears throat> that have gone on to really, and I'm not just, I'm sure there's more than just the three I'm going to mention, but they're the three most famous. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, John Moxley, um, 
Eli Drake and Sammy Callahan. All of them trained under you. They've all been world champions. That's got to feel really good. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know a lot of other people around the world that can say I've trained three world champions. So it's a pretty, it's definitely a, a pretty good feeling. And and the fact that I'm still friends with all those guys and and they still go to bat for me and they they still you know uh, whenever they do podcasts or anything they still put me over they still talk about training with me like um, you know three class acts three good guys and uh, you know amazing talents in the ring and 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 they all work their asses off to get where they're at and sure. uh, you know. Uh, Moxley seems even more unhinged now that he's with AEW. Well, I mean, they've given him, uh, you know, a, a lot of freedom there, and they've taken off uh, the leash that he had on him. You know, WWE could have that same that same guy, but they they opted to to mold him into what they wanted him to be instead right. of letting him be what he is. We hear that from a lot. Uh, of guys. <laughs> the John Moxley that you're seeing now on ADW is the same John Moxley that you got to see on the independent circuit. Okay. So Cody, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Jim. Go ahead, go ahead, John. I'm I'm good. Well, since we're, you know, I wanted to try to ask just one more question about training before we kind of maybe, and just in case Jim was going to kind of steer things to another topic, Cody. Um, How did you feel about being named uh, one of the top wrestling trainers by the Cauliflower Ear Club? I mean, that has to be a nice feather in the cap and has to make you feel like all your hard work is worth it. Yeah. was totally blown away by it when they told me uh, I knew about nine months before the actual Cauliflower Alley Club convention um, that they, they got a hold of me early. And, uh, you know, I had been nominated by a couple of different uh, people and then, the, you know, their board sits down and they vote on it and everything. Um, so when uh, Brian Blair reached out to me and told me that uh, I had won, I was, I was pretty blown away by it. And then, you know, to, they, uh, Cauliflower Alley's been been around since the 60s, and they had only given out the trainer award uh, two other times. Um, so, uh, you know, they, they gave it out to Ron Hutchins, who uh, trained uh, um, Edge and Christian and Beth Phoenix and um, a, lot, a lot of those guys that came out of that, uh, that, that, that area up there. And then uh, Steve Kern, who, you know, ran FCW there in Florida and, and trained all those guys that are now the big stars at WWE. And then there's me. So, you know, it, it was definitely uh, pretty awesome to get that. And uh, to uh, stand up there in, in front of 500 uh, people, um, you know, like the to look around the room and see so many wrestlers and people that I grew up watching sitting in the crowd, uh, current wrestlers, past wrestlers and uh you know to have uh moxley uh you know induct me and then to uh when i when i like when i did my speech to have these people who don't know me uh you know and and people that i look up to in the wrestling industry pop for things that i'm saying and then for them all to get up and give me a standing ovation at the end just it was mind-blowing like you know i'm just like questioning why why am i here and uh <laughs> You know, very cool. It'd have been hard to choke back the tears if Eddie or <laughs> something like that. Yeah, I kept telling myself, "Don't cry, don't cry, don't cry." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. A lot of people don't know this, but you've also guest uh, trained at the Performance Center for WWE, which I'm kind of envious of. Not that I'm a 
I'd be a good trainer. I just want to go there and see how they got everything set up and what all they have to work with. And uh, so how, what, what was your experiences like that uh, down there? Was you just down there once or how many times did you do it? I've been down there once, but uh, I was in, I'm in talks with them. So if we ever get past all this virus stuff, I may, might get the opportunity to go back a second time. Nice. Um, we, we'll see how that goes, you know. Um, it, absolutely amazing. That facility is unlike any other place in the world. Like, like literally when you step through the front door, it's just like it's mind-blowing. Like our Disneyland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, that, that the area that, they're, that you see on TV now uh, that they're using as the arena, like it housed uh, seven different rings, um, you know, uh, and, and the way they had it set up in there is they, you know, each ring was – uh, a little more advanced than the last ring. Uh, and as the trainers, as you, as you move from ring to ring to ring, the trainers were a little more uh, strict, a little, you know, Robbie Brookside was training all the, the, the young brand new people that were either uh, just got contracts or um, were people that had never been in the business before all the way up to uh, Terry Taylor, who is, was the finishing ring and running the, you know, that ring. Uh, and then, uh, like Sean Michaels would hand pick, uh, you know, a half a dozen people and those would specifically be the people that he worked with. So, and, you know, and there was the other trainers, you know, Norma Smiley and Johnny Moss and Sarah Motto and, um, they just uh, amazing, you know, just amazing. And, and I was sitting at this table, uh, the coach's room and this big high top table about. 30 feet long with, I don't know, probably 20 really fancy, super nice, uh, like real comfortable chair style bar stools all around it. And I'm sitting at this table and, you know, I got like uh, uh, Chris Katz to my left who like does all the, the video work and stuff uh, for uh, NXT and, and for the performance center. And, and uh, you know, I, and I look down the way and, and um, you know, you got, uh, William Regal sitting there, you got Johnny Moss in there, got Shawn Michaels sitting there, and I'm just like, at this, this table, and I'm going, this, I don't belong at this table, holy crap, like, I, I watched all these people when I was growing up, and, uh, you know, as Steve Carino to my right, and at, at least I knew him from the Indies from before he went up, so I kind of like partnered, I don't want to say partnered up, but I kind of ponied up next to him and was like, I, I know this guy, at least at least he'll be cool to me. And, you know, I, I've known, I, I won't say I've known, but I've met Steve Regal enough times that he remembered who I was and knew who I was. And uh, Johnny Moss, he knew who I was because before he got called up, I had been in kind of talking with him, trying to go to Scotland and wrestle for him. Um, so, um, but it was just an amazing experience. Uh, you know, long days, uh, roll in there at seven thirty in the morning, get out of there five thirty at night. And, uh, classes were all about two hours long and everybody on the phone it tells them what ring they're supposed to be in what time they're supposed to be there are they supposed to be in the weight room are they supposed to be in a ring are they supposed to be in promo class um just you know if you're a student of the game or you're a wrestler and you're trying to get better like that's an amazing place to be yeah that's interesting about the rings um so you're saying that they stayed in that ring until they got chosen to advance to the next one or they just advanced throughout the day like every day no, like if you, if you started off brand new you were in johnny moss's ring or i mean you're in uh uh i can't think of his name now too many names um 
but you were in one ring until they said you were good enough to advance up to the next ring. And you might, be, you might be in two or three different rings during the course of a day. You might be in the beginner's class, the next class up, and, and then maybe even the next class after that because um, it seemed like they had everybody in there, you know. But, like, pretty much all the guys that were, like, doing the NXT television, they were only training once a day, and they were specifically in Terry Taylor's ring um, or specifically in uh, Steve Carino's ring. So – like, okay. you know, they, they would kind of split between those. So, yeah, you, you got to work with a lot of different coaches, but it was all off of how good you were. Very cool. See, I, I accomplished my goal. I try to learn something new every podcast, and I just did. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know yeah, they did like it that way. One of the days that I was there was the first day that EC3 was there. And they, you know, and I could tell when he came in that while he was happy to be there, he wasn't happy that he had to train. Um, you know, but he was in that ring with all the advanced, advanced people in in Terry Taylor's ring. And, you know, and he was drilling them hard and all those guys were going hard and everything. And it's pretty much everybody that you see on the current NXT roster now was the the people that was in his class then. So. Very cool. So we've, we've been talking a lot about the quarantine. We've been talking a lot about wrestling and training Let's talk about a little bit of horror before we wind down. Um, you know, this is wrestle horror, and uh, you know, Donnie is the wrestling side. I am the horror side. Uh, so, all right, horror movies, Cody. I know before we got on there, you said you liked them. First question, I always throw out the gate. First, what's your favorite horror film? Jaws. Jaws. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> because it's the it's the closest thing to real out there okay i, I totally agree with cody okay. i totally agree <laughs> all right not what i'm used to hearing but okay <laughs> i mean my my uh my my real name is is jason myers so i've always got the jason thing my whole life or the michael myers thing my whole life um so you know and i like all those movies the slasher movies and everything um you know i i can watch them and, and I kind of like cheesy horror movies. Uh, um, I, I forget what the hell movie I was just watching a couple nights ago uh, about some flesh-eating bacteria in a camp. Um, you know, it, it was it's terribly Cab- gory. Uh, cabin but, Fever? Uh, uh, yeah, Cabin Fever, but not, not a good movie. You know what I mean? Oh, it was horrible. <laughs> yeah. So, but like, I, like Jaws, to me, that that's real. Like, I, okay. I love the ocean, and I love to go play in it, but uh, – I'm always looking around thinking this could be the day the shark snags me by the leg and I die. <laughs> Talking of speaking of cheesy horror films, uh, Jim and Chris and, and uh, Shelby stayed at our house for the fair last year when we did the fair and I flipped on this horror film. I had no idea what it was. And it was basically like a girls volleyball team. They're, bus breaks down and they're like running around in the woods and desert getting chased by these killers and like jim and chris was giving me this stink eye like you son of a bitch like this movie's so stupid <laughs> oh this this horror movie was was just i mean it ranks uh it was just hard to watch <laughs> yeah. yeah i forget the name of it when I was a teenager, back when uh, they had, they still had, uh, where, where I lived, they had a, a video store. It was called Take Two Video. And my dad would go up there, and it was like, you rent one video for regular price, and then you got a second video for a penny. So he would always go rent, like, 
five or six of the dumbest horror movies ever. <laughs> like, just, and, and we just all have to sit there and watch them. And some of them were so bad that it was like 10, 20 minutes in, we just like, we couldn't do it. You got to turn it off, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think that's what Chris wanted me to do with that volleyball <laughs> one, but I just kept it going just to torture her a little bit. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm, I'm sad to say that, uh, I was in a uh, an independent horror film recently uh, that it was so hard to watch that Amazon dropped it. <laughs> wow! It, it uh, got, it, people were like trying to give it negative star. <laughs> <laughs> I, wow. it, it made you know, feel good, didn't it? <laughs> I, you know, I, it was horrid. It was terrible. I mean, just none of it made sense. Mm-hmm. at all uh, <laughs> i'm only laughing because there's some really awful stuff on amazon and if it was that bad that they dropped it jim holy shit <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. it, it's so bad that i'm trying to get my name removed from the imdb for it <laughs> yeah like no i'm good i don't need to be in that one <laughs> it is just is terrible uh. now, now i was in another horror film which i just had a bit part in and it was fine. I mean, it was actually pretty good called Revelation Trail. It was about zombies in the Old West. But, no, that, I don't even want to mention the name of that movie. That's how bad it was. Come on, oh. man. We got to have something to look for tonight. Yeah, good luck. It's called Ghost House, A Haunting. Okay. It's, you got to have a haunting on it, too. You won't find it with just Ghost House. All right, all right. If you can find it, I promise you, you're going to message me and go, Jim, that was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> There's a new wrestling uh, horror film, at, uh, indie film that just came out that they filmed up and they used AIW's area. I'm trying to Google it, see what it's, uh, see what it's called. But, uh, Did they use uh, workers from AIW or was it just in the – uh, yeah, yeah, they had they they had some of the workers in there, and uh, oh, man, I can't think of the name. I'll say I'll find it. You guys keep talking, I'll find it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'll I'll ask two more questions. How about that? I got a couple here, Cody. Um, in your wrestling career, who would you say is has been your toughest opponent? Uh, that's that's uh. You have to go back a little bit to, to the days of HWA. Uh, there was a guy there named Matt Stryker, um, mm-hmm. not the WWE's Matt Stryker with an I. This was HWA's Matt Stryker with a Y. And um, just an amazing pure wrestler. Uh, like Him and I had such amazing ring chemistry together, um, and we didn't mind – like, uh, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of beating the shit out of each other, but we beat the shit out of each other, and – uh, neither one of us ever hurt the other one. And we've had, uh, probably like seven or eight, uh, hour long matches and just my, my toughest opponent and probably one of my favorite opponents. Uh, just, you know, we never even had to talk like, it was like, Hey, we're going to wrestle an hour tonight. Who's going over? I don't know. All right. Well, I'll see you out there. Cool. And that's the end of it. And, uh, you know, we would go out do our thing and decide everything on the fly, just listening to the people 
Yeah, a lost art with some wrestlers, listening to the people and just going with the flow. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, that's that's how I teach my my kids. I don't I don't teach anybody memorizing till they've been there for a few months. I'm like, uh, literally, you can sit down and memorize your phone number in ten minutes. You can memorize a spot for a match in ten minutes. The the true art is listening to the people and and judging everything that you're doing off them. Which, you know, circle back to the beginning, the empty arena matches, when you don't have that crowd there, then, you know, you, you have to uh, use your imagination a little bit and imagine that you are in the crowd and what would pop you at that moment in time and what would make you invested in the match. And, um, and like, like I said, this is, uh, if, if this becomes the norm for a while, this is where you're going to see the people that can really truly wrestle versus the people that, uh, I can't or all they mm-hmm. can do is memorize mm-hmm. all right my final question uh i think everybody that steps between the ropes gets hurt um and as far as i know you've been pretty lucky you haven't had any serious injuries but what is the worst injury that you've sustained uh broken neck in 2003 i have a plate and two screws in my uh in my uh c6 vertebrae Okay. I did not know that. I did not know that. 2003 would have been HWA time? Yep. Oh. How did that happen, may I ask? Uh, There were two guys. They were – their names were Jason and Johnny Riggs. They were twin brothers. They were both about six foot five. Um, They uh, both were on either side of me, and they kind of both had me hooked like a rock bottom. And then they picked me up and put me over their head in a vertical suplex, hold me like that. And then they were supposed to swing me back through in between them. And they were going to take belly bumps and I was supposed to take a back bump, but they swung me around so hard that I did a complete rotation. I landed on my forehead and my toes. And, uh, and then, uh, the ensuing part of it, like when I, when I landed, it crushed my head down this way, cracked my sternum, broke my neck, uh, flopped over. I had a manager at the time. Uh, he ran around the ring. He was like, Jesus Christ, are you all right? And I was like, I think I just broke my neck. Grabbed my arm pulled me to the side. And he pulled me to the side of the ring. And I laid there for a minute. And the other guys, they knew I was hurt. It was a tag match. And they kept going with the match. And uh, slowly I started feeling everything come back. I, everything got hot and I felt everything. And I was able to get up and complete the match, the little bit that I had left to do. But then uh, I walked through the curtain. I collapsed. They took me out on a backboard. Uh, about uh, three weeks later, I uh, well, two weeks later, I came back, and we had to shoot a little angle for TV as to how my neck got broke. So uh, I was feuding with Matt Stryker at the time. Um, so I was able to get in there and take uh, a, a kick to the face from him, and uh, I took just a real ugly bump. So we always told people that's what broke my neck. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, uh, I had surgery, and uh, – about uh, four months after my surgery, um, they told me, uh, you'll be lucky if you ever walk again, right? You'll never wrestle. I was like, I walk right. I walked right out of that hospital. I came back, told Matt Strucker, we to go four months after surgery. Him and I did an hour and five minutes. Wow. Nice. Wow. So. Very cool. Hey, back on the uh, horror film topic, it was called Powerbomb. I had a complete brain fart. So, and it had, I um, think I remember seeing that floating around on Facebook. A bit. Yeah. And they filmed, they filmed some of it in AIW at their, at their old center. And it had Matt Cross and 
Britt Baker and uh, Gregory Iron and those and Justice and and those guys were in it. But I've only got to watch like the first ten or fifteen minutes, and I had to turn it off. But I'm going to finish checking it out. But I guess yeah. somebody, somebody, uh, it's an obsessed fan, and he kidnaps uh, M Dog or something like that. <laughs> but I'm going to check it out and see how it is. Well, hopefully, it's as good as K Fabe the movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was nice. <laughs> oh man. Wow, this has been uh, this has been a very lively, lively episode, and uh, Cody, some great stories. Um, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I'm sure some people probably get tired of me talking about this uh, <laughs> because it involves my daughter, uh, and you know, I've I've been proud of her since the day she signed up for your school. Um, we just got a breaker of one thing: she does not like the camera. Well, she's gonna have to get used to that. That's what I told her. Yeah, um, she's uh, she no, she's she's come a long way, uh, you know. She's working hard, and uh, she's getting better every every time she's there. Um, the the only thing I really want to break her of is smiling. She okay. smiles nonstop. It doesn't matter what she's doing. She's giggling. She's smiling. I'm like, you're getting your ass kicked. Why are you laughing? <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay. She could well, be working on her Joker gimmick. Like every time there's pain, he starts giggling or Riddler, whichever one it was. <laughs> they yeah. giggle every time they started getting hurt. <laughs> um, okay. So I, I will just leave that there. Um, <laughs> but uh, I know Shelby really enjoys uh, training with you and she's ready to get back into it. So hopefully, you know, you guys can start doing that again. Um, yeah, well, I heard you broke her over smart mouth and her back talk, so that's a good thing. <laughs> well, I mean, it was like one of those days at practice where she was just really like getting on my nerves, and I was like, I, I had, I don't know, I had like a wrist lock on her or something, and I pulled her up real close, and I was like, you are on the verge of pissing me off to the point where you guys are going to squat like a thousand squats and I'm going to blame it all on you. So if you don't want everybody in this class to be pissed off at you, you better shut up. <laughs> nice. <laughs> little mob justice there. There you go. <laughs> hey, it worked. <laughs> when you get her back in the ring again, can you do that and tell her to quit talking back to me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but okay, this has been awesome. Um, it is almost we've been doing this for about 50 minutes, uh, and I have no complaints, it's been great. But uh, Cody, thank you so much for uh, for, for joining us. And you know, the funny thing is, on, on Monday when we got the wires crossed, um, my wife Chris said, Well, you told Cody since he got his wires crossed, he's got to do 100, 100 indie squats. Well, <laughs> all right. <laughs> he's like i'll give you three that's it <laughs> but anyway so, hey, um, but i do a hundred every morning every day as it is right well, <laughs> i can tell you already did them <laughs> so how can people find out more about you uh more about the school more about fgw social media all that is kind of outlets What's the best way for people to find out more about you, Cody? Well, I'm on I'm I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and and Twitter. 
the Instagram and Twitter, I think, are at Cody F and Hawk. Uh, the uh, Facebook is uh, backslash wrestler dot Cody Hawk. Um, so, or you can just type it in. I'm sure I'll come up. Um, there is there is uh, another Cody Hawk out there in the wrestling world, though. Uh, so he's in the South. Uh, so if you ever Google Cody, there's you know thousand matches for me and like two matches from him so don't get us confused um uh so uh so you got those three social medias um uh future great wrestling is also on all of those uh those uh, different social medias uh there's the uh, future great wrestling youtube channel where we have shockwave right now uh that's our hour-long program that we put out every wednesday night at 7 p.m um we've been uh doing best of episodes here the last few weeks because of the shutdown but hopefully soon uh there'll be uh some brand new matches even if they have to be uh empty arena and like uh the don't rush video uh, we're doing a bunch of different video products like that getting them out there and uh, as far as training or or the wrestling school it's hawks pro wrestling training camp uh you know you can get a hold of me through any of the social medias and uh uh, if, the, uh, if the zombie apocalypse uh, ever lifts and we're able to get going again, uh, you know, that's that's where we'll be. If not, uh, I'm moving to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> what part? <laughs> uh, somewhere where there's a beach and it doesn't get below 70 degrees. Oh, okay. So south, south. <laughs> Clearwater area. Okay. All right. I'm familiar with that area. But anyway. Cody, thanks again for taking the time to talk with us here on Russell Horror. Um, John, uh, Donnie, any last-minute comments? No, just uh, appreciate uh, Cody taking some time out of his busy schedule to chat with us. So, Yep, appreciate picking his brain. That's what we yeah. like to do. And I apologize for Monday, guys. I double-booked myself, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> See, look, you're still busy. You ain't even allowed to wrestle. I got you. <laughs> I, uh, thank you guys for having me on, man. I love talking shop and talking wrestling. And, uh, like, I go down in that rabbit hole, and uh, I, I could literally talk for, for days on it. So uh, anytime you ever want to get onto a specific subject in any of the, the things in wrestling that I've been a part of, uh, we can definitely dive into that hole. Oh, well, definitely. Oh, yeah. um, yes, yeah. we'd Most love definitely. to have you back. We'd love to have yeah. you back sometime. But uh, with um, we're going to go ahead and uh, – Sign off. Thanks again. Uh, this is the Russell Horror Podcast with special guest Cody Effenhawk. I just like saying Cody Effenhawk. Um, and uh, look him up if you want to find out more about him, about the school, about FGW. I'm Meat Hook Jim, and we are out. Thanks for listening. Make sure you follow us on all, all of our social media outlets Facebook.com backslash Russell Horror. Instagram at WrestleHorror, Twitter at WrestleHorror, on our YouTube channel, the Wrestle Horror Channel. Also, you can find us at www.wrestlehorror.com. Yeah.